Turn with me, if you would, this evening to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Matthew, chapter six. How many believe in God with me this evening? I would ask you to, like just like we prayed. The thing I've got on my heart is uh, might be a little different than what you have heard a lot about. I'm sure you've heard some of these things, but you know the Lord knows what we need, and we need a good balanced diet spiritually. We don't just need one or two things all the time. I believe in healing. I mean, I ate, slept, dreamed, and breathed healing for oh what, about 15 years and healing school and morning, noon, and night. But you know, you need to hear something besides healing all the time. I believe in prosperity. I believe in it about as strong as anybody you'll find. But you need to hear something else besides just prosperity all the time. And I have found when it comes to healing, when it comes to prosperity, that healing is not always spelled H-E-A-L-I-N-G. Sometimes it's spelled R-E-P-E-N-T. Sometimes it's spelled O-B-E-Y. How many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's spelled F-O-R-G-I-V-E. And the same thing is true with prosperity. And there are many times when people are focusing on healing, healing, healing. I need healing, I want healing. Or they're focusing on prosperity, prosperity, prosperity. I want prosperity, I need prosperity. But if you'd really seek the Lord about it, He would talk to you about something else. It might even seem unrelated. But He knows. And you can't be in a rush with the things of God. It just does not work. I used to tell our helpers at healing school, I said, you know, I think if uh, we'd get more people if we had a drive through window. <laughs> See, we live in the age of fax machines and email and microwaves and drive through and FedEx and special delivery. And when do we want it? We want it right now. Huh? Don't tell us to wait. We don't want to hear about wait. Right? But look up the word wait in your concordance sometime. And see how many times it's used in a positive way. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He'll strengthen your heart. And they that do wait on the Lord, what happens to them? They'll renew their strength. Amen. But what about the person that's in too big of a hurry to wait? Well, they get weak. They get weak, they get confused, they get worn out, and they get, what is this uh, tired syndrome thing? (laughs) Chronic fatigue syndrome. You've got to wait on the Lord. And so many times, if they do, they they run in and they're real quick, you know, God, uh, hurry up and heal me. I'm, I'm in a hurry, hurry up and meet my needs. Hurry up, I need prosperity. And I've got a nine o'clock appointment too. (laughs) But he don't work like that. He'll say, uh, come a little closer. (laughs) Okay, God, but you know, really, I got stuff to do. The kids got this and and my husband needs this or my wife needs this. And you know, I got this stuff, got these deadlines on the job. He'll say, I know, I know. Come here. Come right here, sit down right here. 
Come here. <laughs> and you may say, well, okay, okay, what about the healing? And he'll say, we'll get to that. <laughs> but right now, I would like to talk to you about this. Flesh is antsy and impatient and wants to move a thousand miles an hour. I'm telling you, and this is how people miss God so much of the time, by moving too fast. MTF syndrome. (laughs) Is a huge problem. Moving too fast. Most of the time, people don't miss God by waiting too much on Him. They, they miss it by moving too fast. And, and spirit irritates flesh. When somebody is walking in the spirit and somebody's walking in the flesh, they will irritate each other. <laughs> And especially the one walking in the flesh is going to be irritated with the one walking in the spirit. I mean, seriously irritated. Do you remember on numerous occasions when people walked in faith, like Joshua and Caleb, and they stood up in faith after they'd searched the land and they said, we can take this. It made the other folk that were in the flesh and in fear and in doubt so mad, they wanted to kill them. The patience of faith. And the quietness and the tranquility and the pace of the Spirit irritates the flesh. It's like, well, come on, God, just spit it out. Just tell me what the deal is. And he'll say, just come here, come here. Sit down right here. You know, sometimes when you're traveling, if you don't know the area, you might stop and ask for directions. And you know you need to go south. That's where you want to go. And they'll tell you, go up here and turn east. You're going, I don't want to go east. I want to go, I know you want to go south, but you got to go east to get to the road that goes south. You may thought, look, I'm not going east, okay? I know I need to go south, and that's all I'm interested in. Well, I guess you'll just wander around lost because sometimes you got to go east, right? Or sometimes north. Or west before. I mean, you get on some of these interchanges, and I mean, you're going totally the wrong way, but. There's a curve up ahead, and it's going to get you headed in the right direction. Can you say amen? Amen. You understand what we're saying? That oftentimes there are other issues that need to be dealt with. I know uh, some years ago, the Lord had been dealing with me about traveling more. This is a number of years ago. We've been traveling since uh, 83 and uh, But I was really busy at, at Rama and healing school. And I mean, either one of those jobs was enough to keep, keep a fellow busy. And I had two or three of them. And I'd go out on occasion. But the Lord was dealing with me to go out. Go out more. I thought, well, Lord, I'm busy, you know. I'm not wanting to go out more. Now, things have changed. That's primarily what I'm doing now. But back then, it wasn't. And I didn't really want to pay much attention to that. And you know, your head has a way of, of uh, you know, playing games. You can say, well, I don't really know what that is. This thing about me going out more. We don't know what that is. And the devil will jump and say, yeah, we don't, we don't know what that is. <laughs> because if it's God, there's only one thing to do. Right? Yield to it. 
But so to keep from, if you don't want it to be God, then you can play games with yourself and go, well, I wonder what that is. Is that God? We don't really know. And then the devil, he's right there to help you on that. He'll jump and say, no, we don't. That ain't God. I don't think that's God. So you can kid yourself. Well, I, I kind of did that. And uh, this went on for months. And there's another area of my life I was praying about that I wasn't satisfied with. And I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I sought the Lord, and sought the Lord. Just couldn't get clear. Couldn't, couldn't get the answer on it. Didn't see. Still, months later, I'm still the same place I was. I remember distinctly one day in our house, nobody was there but me. And I, in the living room, I sat down in the big chair that I read and just get quiet in sometimes. And I'm just sitting there quiet, nobody but me. And that thing came back up in me about us traveling more. And as I sat there quiet, I thought, Lord, that's you. You've been dealing with me about that. Okay, all right, I'm sorry. We'll do it. We'll go. And he spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but distinctly inside me, he said, all right, now I'm going to talk to you about this other thing. This thing I've been praying about. From I had no idea they were connected. Not a clue. But see, God looks at the heart. And the least bit of unwillingness will hinder you from several connected areas in your life. Can you say amen? amen? So there's more to healing than just making confessions and having hands laid on you. There's more to prosperity than just giving. Did you hear me now? There's more involved in it. And uh, unless the Lord leads us another direction, I may be talking to you about some of these things for the next few sessions. Are you believing God with me? Amen. Now you may not run and shout on every point. <laughs> but if we call your name and paint your picture real plain, just look straight ahead. Don't, don't let anybody know and just go, yeah, praise God, Brother Keith, that's right. That's good. And if you need to, when you get home, you fall across the bed and go, oh, God. That was me. Have mercy on me. Have you found Matthew 6? This is our text and our golden text. Let's just back up. I think I'll just read a passage here. Verse 22. Matthew 6, 22. says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. Now that's what we were singing about. Only on you. Single means not double. You know, not, not looking at a bunch of things, but focused on one, on the right thing. And if that's the case, it'll cause light to come into you. But if your eye be evil or bad, distracted, focused on the wrong things, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light that's in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. How many masters can you have? Are you sure about that? How many? Can you equally be divided between two? You can only have one. And if anything else is your master, then the Lord is not. Right? You can, you, no man, nobody can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
money and materialism and the pursuit of it. Why would the Lord say that? How many understand the Lord's words are significant? He doesn't say things that have no application. Why would he say you can't serve God and mammon? Money and materialism. Thank God for prosperity, but you've got to watch about giving too much time and effort towards it. Hmm? God wants us blessed. He wants us prosperous, but he certainly does not want it to be a distraction from him. Anything. He goes on to say, verse 25, therefore, now who's talking here? Tell me. This is Jesus teaching. Would you like to have some of Jesus' teaching tapes? That you could play in your car. I'm talking about Jesus, the head of the church. The All you got to do is get you a, a tape recorder and read this off on the tape and you'll have it. That's right. This is his teaching. He was teaching them and teaching us. Let's let him teach us. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money and materialism. Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Don't, don't worry, don't fret about any of those things. Where your next meal is coming from, or uh, what you're going to wear, or any of these things, don't fret about it, don't be concerned about it. Is that true? Should you do that? Is not the life more than food and the body is more than clothes? Amen. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, by being anxious, we'd say, can add one cubit to his stature? Some translations add the, the phrase uh, one uh, hour uh, to their life. Well, you can't. Worrying doesn't help anything. And why take you thought for, for raiment, for clothes? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Amen. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Amen. This is not a compliment when he says little faith. If you worry, you're of little faith. Now, we've all experienced some of this, and we've been tempted to do it, and sometimes have yielded to it, but it's bad. It's a, it's a bad reflection on us. The more faith you have, the less you worry. Amen. Period. About anything. I know as the years went by, and as we begin to grow in faith more and more, there were some situations where there were, you know, serious-looking circumstances and sometimes I have to almost pinch myself and say, boy, shouldn't you be more worried than you are? And realize, no, this is right. This is, this is what we've been feeding ourselves for and, and, and working towards to get to where that no matter what's going on, we don't worry. You cannot be in faith about a thing and be upset about it and scared about it. You can't be. No such thing. It's being in fear about it and being in faith about it. Being worried and upset about it. When you're in faith about it, you have peace about it. Even when you ain't got a clue how it's going to work out, you just know it will. Amen. Amen. 
don't have a, an idea how the money is going to come. You just know it will be there. It's been there the last 4,000 times and it will be here this time. Amen. Yeah, but it's a lot. Yeah, but God's big. Yeah, but how he's going to, how's he going to do it? He'll come by it honestly. He's not going to do anything wrong. He'll get it right. How's he, how can he get it to me? He knows where you are. He knows how. Now, you're not to trouble your little head with all those things. What you are, what he does require, though, and have to have in order to be able to legally do it for you is faith. Amen. And when you're worried and upset and afraid and all those things, you're not in faith. I don't care if you are making a confession here and there. If you're scared and worried, you're not in faith. Amen. Faith is of the heart, not just of the mouth. I mean, the mouth it used to express it, but you can be talking and not believe it. He said, take, therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. We're supposed to be different from the unsaved world, aren't we? That's what they, every day, they're, you know, they're, they've got bumper stickers on the car that says, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. <laughs> And, uh, you know, just doing everything they can, even lying sometimes and backstabbing to climb the corporate ladder and doing all kind of things after uh, the house, the cars, the clothes, the stuff. And he says, don't be like them. Now, don't just let that go in one ear and out the other because when you're in the world system and that's the way everybody is around about you, it's easy to get sucked into it. Hmm? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't compromise yourself. Don't compromise your faith, your, your, your honesty, your integrity. After all those things that the world is seeking after, but don't you do that. Your Father knows that you have need of all these things. He's aware. He cares. He's already got a plan for it to work out for you. Verse 33, this is our text. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to read that again a couple of times. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. One more time. Set together with me this time. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. Hallelujah. Now the title of this message and of this series is The First Principle. The First Principle. And what is the first principle? The principle of putting Him first. Putting, seeking his kingdom first and his things first. Now he's not trying to hide his kingdom from us. We're in the kingdom. And the kingdom is in us. But when we're talking about seeking the kingdom, we're talking about the furtherance of the kingdom. The expansion of the kingdom. The full and total development of the kingdom. <clears throat> Amen. This is why you breathe. Amen. Amen. 
This is why this church is here. And every other legitimate church. And every other, that's why we have a ministry. And every other legitimate ministry. It's not just so you have somewhere to go on Sunday night. Or a social club. There is a kingdom. Amen. It's real. It's already begun. And in a very short time, it's going to be established outwardly. In the earth. And you and I are going to rule and reign with Him. In this kingdom forever and ever and ever. It'll be, you know, this, we like to, we don't think about it sometimes, but all the kingdoms of the past that have arisen, the the kingdom of Rome and the the Greek kingdom and, uh, you know, Babylonian kingdom, they have risen, they have fallen. Great nations and great kingdoms and their rules and their domains. The, The British kingdom. Uh, the USA is a great nation. But none of these nations and kingdoms will last. Amen. Amen. The USA does not last forever. Amen. The UK does not last forever. Amen. Are you with me now? Yes. Thank God for them. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and, and, and pleased and thankful to be an American. And our rights and privileges and our freedoms. Thank God. Thank God. God raised up this country. Amen. Amen. But... This kingdom will not exist forever, but the kingdom that has already begun will. And when this life is over for you and I, it's a brief life. If you lived a hundred plus years, it's nothing. It'll come, it'll go. That's what the scripture say, what's your life? It's even a vapor. It's just like a puff of smoke. (laughs) Now you see it, now you don't. Sometimes when you drive by the cemetery, look out there and realize that all those people lived just like you at one time. They were here, now they're gone. And the Lord tarries is coming, that's you. Here and then gone. People get up and they go to work and they they go through the rituals of their day and and their routine and act like that they're going to live down here forever. And we're not. I said we're not. And when it's all over... It will not matter how many vacation properties you have. (laughs) It will not matter how much jewelry you have. It will not matter how good looking people thought you were. It will not matter if you had your picture on billboards or magazine covers. Or if people thought you were really something. Because in a few years, nobody will know about you. The only thing that will matter is what you did for the kingdom. What you did that contributed to the kingdom. That's all that will matter. That's all. And in that day when you and I stand before the judgment seat of Christ and all of our works are judged and the fire tests them, All that was just of flesh and was just temporary, it'll be wood, it'll be hay, it'll be stubble, it'll be consumed, it'll go up in smoke, it'll be gone. But the things that were done in faith and of love and by the direction of the Spirit and were real works of kingdom, they will be the silver and the gold and the precious stones that will abide the fire and they'll last forever and ever, and ever, and ever, and 500,000 years from now, everybody around will know that you had a part in it. 
Oh, glory to God. There was a couple of Rhema students, two or three of them talking together one time about and one of them was supposed to have been testifying, but he's just bragging about <laughs> some of the stuff he had. He bragging and it really was, you know, and just you know, just because people got have stuff doesn't mean they had faith. There's lots of ways you can get stuff. Hmm? Doesn't automatically mean you got it the right way. And anyway, he was going on and on about this stuff. And finally, one of the other guys just piped up and he said, Well, big deal. He said, Your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. <laughs> and you know, you know, I enjoy nice things as much as the next guy. Nice houses and cars and even toys and and whatever. You know, I I enjoy them. But let's not get hung up on them. Because all the elements of this earth are going to melt. It's all going to go. There won't be any record of them. Nobody will know or care. But every life that you touched and affected, every ministry that you helped, Every real prayer that you prayed, every real word of faith that you spoke, every time you were obedient and it helped the kingdom in even the smallest way, will be remembered forever. Amen. Forever. Amen. Forever. Amen. And I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit here, but you know, in the church world as a whole, there is a totally wrong mentality where finances are concerned. And you've got a lot of places where the ministers, uh, really they shouldn't do it, and I don't, th- I don't think you guys have it here, I'm sure you don't, but uh, a lot of the ministers, they get up and plead with the people to give, and plead with the people to give, and, and uh, ministries, and, and you hear, you know, in, in different forms of media, people pleading for support, and and, and come on, you know, and, and help us. And, and I, I know a lot of people need a lot of things. And they're doing legitimate works, many of them. And they do need things. But the actual total reverse should be the case. Did you hear me? If people really knew what the future is going to be like, they would want to be able to stand up later on and say, I had a part in that. I had a part, and if people get a hold of this revelation, they'll be doing like the people that came to Paul, the saints of Corinth, and, and they were, that he was talking to them about, and pleading with them, let us get in on it. Amen. Let us get in on this. Amen. Why? Because it's going to affect the kingdom. That's right. Amen. 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 Let us be a part. And instead of pleading with people, you know, help us in the nursery, help us in the parking lot, you know, come help us clean the church. Come on, not enough people showed up. We need some more people to show up. That means people are confused. They're in the dark. What's more important to them? Hmm? Something that nobody will know about or care about in a few years. We need to have a kingdom focus, a kingdom mentality. Amen? Every morning when we wake up and every night when we lay down. Matthew 6, say it again, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Amen. Amen. You believe that? All these things. Now, what I want to begin doing this evening is talking about how to do that. I think you're agreed, right, that we need to do this. And one reason I'm saying this is because some years ago, and I'll get to this eventually unless the Lord directs us another way, I was seeking the Lord about prosperity because I was hurting in my finances desperately. And I knew a lot of things about the Word and about prosperity, but I was still hurting. And I began to seek Him earnestly about this, and He began to talk to me and teach me. And one of the first things He said to me is that the first principle of prosperity was right here, Matthew 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His right. And He went on to say to me, He said, many of my people know this, but are not doing it. Many of my people know this, but they're not doing it. In, in practice, in life, they're putting other things ahead. They, they don't call themselves doing it. They didn't sit down and, and set out to deliberately do it. But when you analyze it and you look at what they're doing, something else is coming first. Something else is coming first. And he says, when you do that, when you put something out, your own things, or, what, what, or even your own family, or this or that, first, then you violated the first principle of prosperity. So we're going to begin to talk about, not, not just prosperity, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later perhaps, but uh, how to do this. How to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now, it begins not outwardly, but it begins in the heart. As you hear the word, as the Lord gives you light and you see things, you need to reach inside and make an adjustment. I believe these meetings are significant for the future as well as the present. Decisions determine direction. And direction determines destiny. When you make a decision, it sets you on a course. I understand you made a decision to come here tonight instead of lay up and watch TV. Or something else. Well, that decision sets you on a direction. That you could be here and possibly hear some things that might set you on another course. Right? Right? People don't realize how many times... What valuable and precious things they missed by deciding to do something other than what the Lord told them to do. Again, not putting his things first. Putting something else first. And there is, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I mean, there's a serious lack of commitment. In charismatic and Christian and word of faith circles. Folk love to hear about me being blessed. They love to hear about prosperity. They love to hear about miracles and signs and wonders. But, not so much about commitment. Sanctification. Holiness. Faithfulness. But we don't just need to pick and choose parts of the Bible and ignore other parts, right? We, we call ourselves word people. Well, there's a lot in the word about this. That's right. 
And I just, I sense in my spirit that there is a significance here. I mean, for myself, not, not just for you, for myself and for our ministry and for you because I sense that there are a number of people that if they don't make adjustments, they're going to miss some things. Amen. Did you hear me now? Yes. If they don't get more committed and more serious about putting God first and His things first and the kingdom first, then some things when you don't do it, you miss some things, but they're not so significant. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, it would have been a lot better if you'd have got it. But then you keep doing that, and eventually you'll miss some big things. You'll miss significant things. You'll wind up being at the wrong place. Life is short. And you get to the place in life where you don't have 20 years to mess around. Did you hear me? If you do mess around another 20 years, then you will never achieve and have all that God intended for you to have. Now folks don't like to talk about these things, but it's reality. God's merciful. He's gracious. And if you really repent and get with the program, there are some situations where He can restore the things that the locust and caterpillar and canker worm got. Amen. Amen, He can. Some things. But, if you just stay absorbed and consumed with natural things decade after decade and Him dealing with you, come on, give yourself more to this, you can get to the point where you can look up and your life is about over and realize that you just didn't do what you should have. You're saved. You'll be saved. But you will not have accomplished and been used for what all that you should have been. And you'll not have the full reward that you should have had. Even though you might have been healed. You might have been prosperous. Did you hear me? Right. It's more to life than just being comfortable with some money in the bank. So, we're believing God. Amen? Amen. We're believing God for utterance in these things. We're believing God for, as Pastor said, for an encounter. Remember Jesus looked over Jerusalem and He lamented over them because they did not know the time of their visitation. He was there, ready to do all kind of things with them and for them, and they didn't know it. They were too busy selling doves and driving sheep and fussing about religious stuff. Didn't know who was there. Didn't know what was going on. The Lord said to me some years ago, He said, Keith, most of the world is dead or asleep. He's talking about spiritually dead or spiritually asleep. Spiritually dead means they've never been born again. They don't know what's going on. In life. They're oblivious to the plan of God. But then there are many Christians that though they are born again, they're spiritually asleep. Don't you remember Ephesians says, awake from the dead. And Christ will give you light. Well, I want to be alive and awake. And in the middle of what God's doing. Amen. Not in the back somewhere. I want to be on the edge. In the fray. In the thick. Amen? Well, you can't be unless you're committed. Unless you're focused. 
unless there is no question about who your master is and what's first in your life. Now, I'll just warn you ahead of time, some people, even some of your close friends, even some of your close relatives, you do this, you obey God, you go all out, and they're going to accuse you of being fanatical and out of balance. Hmm, Did you hear me? Well, I just think y'all go to church too much. I just think, you know I mean? It's just always Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it's just faith, faith, faith. And that's... Seem like y'all are one track. <laughs> y'all are just narrow-minded. Yeah, and saved. Because broad is the way that leads to destruction and many that enter in that way. You, I'm telling you, you go the, the, the less you trouble your worldly associates, that means the, the poorer shape you're in spiritually. I don't mean that you try to antagonize people, but the more Christ-like you are and the more sold out you are, you're just going to be different. With that, you, you can try to not bother people, and you still are just going. Your thinking is going to be so different from theirs. You're not on the same page. <laughs> you're in a different book, the Lamb's Book of Life. Hallelujah. Whoo, glory. Mm-mm-mm. So, how? How do we seek first the kingdom of God? How do we do it? Well, before any of the things that we talk about, it happens in your heart. Right? And James talks about that if you look into the perfect law of liberty, and yet you are not a doer, but just a hearer. And you go and you don't do what you saw. You're like a man that looks into a mirror, sees his image and reflection, but turns around and immediately forgets what he saw. And I'm telling you, in these meetings, I'm believing God. You're believing God with me now, right? Yes. We're going to see some things. And it's not necessarily just something that you'll hear out of my mouth, but as you're there, and at not, not just in the service, but after the service, and, and at night in your bed, and the next morning when you get up, things will come up in your spirit, and you'll see it. You'll see the plan for your life. You, not, not the whole thing, but you'll get a glimpse of some things, and, and where God wants you to be, and, 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 a, and a higher level for you to live on, and operate on. And here's the challenge. You must embrace it and you must keep it in front of you after this meeting for if you don't you'll look up 15 years from now and remember it and think oh man I could have been there by now but then you slip back into the ritual of work and school and cleaning house and etc etc some of these things need to be done but not nearly so much as some people think. Amen. Hmm? Amen. You remember Martha and Mary, don't you? Yes, we do. Don't you? Yeah. Martha was busy. Busy, busy. Good woman. Good woman. Loved the Lord. I mean, understand, Martha loved the Lord. Amen. Jesus is coming to your house. Amen. What do you do? Well, you get out to good China. 
Is that right? You you go get the good roast, you right? You you order some good stuff and man Martha's doing it. She's got two ovens going and she's uh, she's well, why? Because Jesus is here. And you want to do your best for Jesus? Isn't that the most important thing? No. <laughs> Well, you want to be diligent and work hard and do the best for Jesus. Ain't that the most important thing? No. No. It's more important to be led than it is to work hard. It's more important to be led than it is to be diligent. It's more important to be led than it is to be thorough. I like to be thorough and I like to just go over every detail and leave no leaf unturned. Well, that's great if the Lord told you to go all the way through it. But if you're in the middle and he says stop and do something else, well, if you complete it, you're in disobedience for the rest of it. And yet you're being a very good, nice, diligent, thorough person, but a disobedient person. Martha was troubled. She's busy with elaborate preparations, one translation said, for the big meal. She's going all out. And Mary is just sitting in there listening to Jesus teach. So Martha go to the door and look around, and there she is just sitting in there again. She thought, man. So she went in there and checked the rolls and basted the turkey and, and checked some money. She come back and looked around, and there's that Mary sitting there, not lifting a finger. To help me. Now, now learn something. Learn something. When what somebody else is doing is frustrating you and vexing you, and I'm especially so doing something spiritual. Hearing the word. You, instead of getting, when you get frustrated and mad with them, you better stop right there and just look at yourself and go, no, hold up, hold up. Why am I so agitated with them? Maybe I should be doing something different. Finally, she couldn't stand it. She walked to the door, and I guess interrupts Jesus. <laughs> See, when you get caught up in all this, you get blinded. I guess she just walks in there. Jesus is talking, and she says, um, um, "Excuse me, Jesus. Excuse me. <laughs> Would you tell my lazy bone sister to get up and come help me in this kitchen?" Because she's just sure that Jesus feels just like she does about it. See, so many people, they're just sure the Lord thinks exactly like they do. And feels just like they do about these things. They're just sure of it. And I'm sure she was shocked when Jesus looked up, having been interrupted. And he looked at her and said... Martha, Martha. <laughs> now, I mean, that's enough said. When the Lord calls your name twice like that, you need to already be on the floor repenting. Is that right? Because you, you know you've done messed up. When he says, Keith, Keith. You say, oh, God. I'm sorry. Oh, Lord. Martha, Martha. You're full of care. And troubled about a lot of things. 
But your sister Mary has chosen that one thing. It's needful and won't be taken away from her. So we need to be spiritual enough to discern what's going on. Yeah, it's good, good to be a good host. Yes, it's good to roll out the red carpet and do what you need to do. But don't be so caught up in that that you can't sense what the Spirit of God's saying and doing right now. Right. And miss it. And be like Jerusalem and not know the hour of your visitation. Right. And the time of your opportunity. We live in a physical world. Everything around us is pulling us to be carnally minded and naturally minded. All you got to do to be carnal is nothing. That's right. <laughs> nothing. Just, just wake up in the morning and go with the flow of the world. You'll just be as carnal as all get out. It takes some effort. And you, there, there are decisions that you've got to make all through the day. No, this is important. And this is not. This is important. It's spiritual. This is natural. It can wait. Hmm? And you've got to have enough spiritual awareness about yourself that you're making those right decisions. Well, this, my company needs me. My business needs me. The church needs me. Okay, we go to the church. Hmm? Did you hear me? There are decisions that people are making all through, through the day and all through the week. Putting natural things first. And I'm telling you, by the Spirit now, if some people need to make some minor adjustments, some people need to make some major adjustments. And it is not an option. It is necessary. Amen. It is a requirement if you are to fulfill God's full plan for you. Amen. There's no other way. There's got to be an adjustment of heart to where that God is first and foremost and everything else is a distant second and third. That's right. And I live and breathe to serve Him. That's right. And I analyze the fruitfulness and value of all my involvements in all my life according to their kingdom significance. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. So it happens in the heart. Adjustments are made. Go with me, if you would, to Luke, the 14th chapter. Luke chapter 14. Y'all ready to go, or you got another few minutes? Huh? You may have a lot more important stuff at home you need to go check about. <laughs> you know, I don't misunderstand me. It, sometimes ministers go too long. I've gone too long. And I don't want to do that with you in these meetings. But uh, I don't want to short you either. And people miss it by moving too fast. But you do need to ask yourself the question, what am I rushing from? And what am I rushing to? <laughs> Are you rushing from the word, from the anointing, to a sandwich? <laughs> are, are, are you rushing <laughs> from the word, from the spirit, to the tonight show? 
or CNN. Did you hear me? So many times people are, I mean, they, they don't realize the contradictions in their life. They, they couldn't bear to stay another ten minutes. And yet, they could sit for an hour and postpone their sleep in front of some nothing. Or some negative. Right? Again, I'm talking about being kingdom oriented. Luke 14, are you there? Okay, here's the first natural thing. I, I, I've given you the, the general principle. This, these things happen in the heart. And as you see things about how to make adjustments and how to put God first, uh, keep them before you. Don't let them escape you after the first week or the first month. Keep them in front of you. Make up your mind. I'm not going to wake up my life spent not having done what I should have done. And if I have wasted a lot of time, I'm going to get with it and see if I can make up for some. Amen. And, and believe God to restore some of the years that I wasted. He's gracious. But uh, one of the first uh, natural ways that you can act on of doing this, and of course if it's not in your heart, that's why I put that first. If it's not really in your heart, you won't do it. But a natural thing is this. You seek first the kingdom of God with your time. Everybody say time. With your time. Your life is comprised of segments of time. You do not have an unlimited amount of time here on this planet. The Lord may come soon before you die. Or He may not. You may live out your life. Somebody says, well no, so and so said He's coming this certain time. They don't know. Well yeah, they did a lot of study. They don't know. I'm telling you boldly now. If you study history, there have been hundreds and hundreds of times that people have set dates and they have come and they have gone. Is he coming? He's coming. Is it soon? It's sooner than it's ever been. We're closer than anybody has ever been. We know that. But do we know the day? Do we know the hour? No, we don't. No, we don't. And the man or woman that said they did lied or is deceived and confused. So don't get hung up on that. What you do need to get focusing on is what will he find me doing Amen. when he returns or if I live out my life and complete it before he comes. Time. Time is a limited, precious commodity. Amen. We do not have hours and days and years to just blow and waste on stuff. So one of the first natural ways we can put something into practice to seek first the kingdom of God and His things is by prioritizing with our time. Realizing when you wake up in the morning, you've just got a certain amount of hours in the day. And what you spend on this, you cannot spend on that. Is that right? You can't have it both ways. If you spend all your time on this, you do not have that time to spend on something else. It's a choice that you have to make. And once that day is gone, it is gone forever. You cannot get that day back. There will be no no going back and getting that. you, You just have what's left now in front of you. And don't look back on the past and dwell on that. 
Look on the future. Amen. Amen. I'm sure you've wasted some time in the past. And I'm sure I have. But we can't do anything about that. But we can today. And we can tomorrow. Amen. In Luke 14, we have some more of Jesus' teaching. Do you want to hear it? Let's let Jesus teach us some more here. Luke 14, are you there? Let's look at verse 15. Luke 14, 15. When one of them that said it meet with him, with Jesus, heard these things that he had said, he said to him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he to him, Jesus, when he heard that, it sparked something in him. He started teaching. Jesus said, A certain man made a great supper, and he bade many. Everybody say many. So many, not just a few, many were invited, many had the opportunity to come. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all hurried to the car and got there thinking the Lord called and we must go. Huh? Well, come on now. If the Lord calls and says, come, you know everybody would drop everything and go. Don't you? You would, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Boy, I lost a bunch of the crowd, right? Right there. People like to think they would. But why didn't they? It says, they all, with one consent, begin to what? Make excuse. Or make excuses why they couldn't come. You might say, who would do that? The Lord tells you. We're not just talking about anybody now. The Lord says, come over. I'm having a big meal. I'm having a big to-do. I want you to come. This is important to me. It's a big thing for me. Come. I want you to come. And would you tell him, Lord, I appreciate it. I would like to, but I got this going on. I don't know how many times in our ministry that we've had people tell us, oh, I want to help you. Man, we want, God's put you on our hearts. We want to do something for you. We want to uh, help you in the ministry any way we can. Just let us know. And I try to be a good steward with those kind of things and not take advantage of anybody's time or, or resources. But if the Lord prompts me, we'll use them on that. Call them up and say, hey, we got this meeting going. We got this or that going. And I don't know how many times people have said, oh, you know, boy, I'd like to do that. But I got this going. And I've got that going. And I said, well, okay, all right, fine. Fine. And one time I hung up the phone and the Lord said to me about it. He said, you said, you said it was all right, but I didn't. 
Just because ministers or people trying to be gracious with you, tell you, oh, that's okay. That doesn't mean the Lord said it was okay. And I know that many times people, they don't, they just see it as, well, Brother Keith was doing something. Uh, Pastor Mike and Barb were doing something. The church was doing something. It's not a big deal. They'll have something else. And not see the significance. But how do you do things for the Lord? He's not here in the flesh. Jesus is not going to call you on the phone. For you to come over to his house or his church. Huh? How do you do it? When does he call you? Can, can you tell when it's him calling? Because it's going to come through opportunities with human people. And, and, and works. And churches and things that are going on right now. And it's going to look very, very natural and sound very natural to your eyes and to your ears. But do you have enough spiritual discernment to realize the Lord's calling? Amen. Amen. Because he did go on to say in other passage, Inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me Amen. and for me. But they begin to answer all of them the same thing and say, well, you know, one of them said, you know, I just bought some property and, and I've got to go see it. Uh, I pray, have me excused. I, I know you'll understand. Because I just got this land and I've and I got to go check it out. What is this? This is possessions. This is personal life. Can this be a distraction to you and the things of God? Yes. Well, I just, we just got in this new house and we just uh, we, we got to get our furniture right and I'm just papering the walls and you know, these people are going to come over, the electrician and this guy for the yard and I got to be there. Listen, if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have a house. Amen. So you're going to tell him, you can't come and help in the church, you can't come and do something with the ministry because you got to check on your house? And yet, millions of Christians are doing this daily. They're too busy with something else. They're too occupied. And in their heart and mind, they're thinking, Oh, I'd do anything for the Lord. But they're not. They're having opportunity after opportunity. And they're saying, I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah, call call me next time. You know, give me a little warning. (laughs) The Bible says be instant. In season and out. Right? The Lord, he's not that way. The Lord usually is not going to let you know a week in advance. Amen. <laughs> Most of the time, he's going he's to put a finger and go, hey, now, come on. How many realize Jesus walked by and he saw these fishermen and he said, y'all come follow me. They are in their business. They're dealing with their nets. He just walks by and they get up and said, okay. And just left it and walked. He walked by Matthew. Matthew's sitting there with all his money and his tax stuff. And he said, Matthew, yeah, come follow me. Right now? Yeah, come on. He got up and walked away from it. There will come situations and times in life where it's a moment of truth for you. You've got to make a decision. What's important to you? Amen. Remember the rich young ruler? He came and said, Lord, you know, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, you know the commandments? He said, yeah, I've kept all of them. He said, uh, the Bible said he looked at him and loved him and said, uh, say what you got. 
Give it to the poor. Come follow me. He's talking about right now. Everybody say right now. He's talking about right now. And what did he do? Think about it. He, he looked at him and his, his countenance fell. His heart got heavy. And he thought, I can't just walk away from a multi-million dollar business. I just can't walk away from all my investments. Surely God wouldn't ask me to do that. And he went away sad. Because he had a lot of stuff. God wasn't trying to impoverish him. How many understand? When you sow, what happens? But it was a test for him. It was a moment of truth. Who's your Lord? Who's your master? Well, there's one way to find out. Can you leave it and follow me? And he didn't. That man has no idea what he passed up. What was available to him? What if he had followed Jesus? Been one of Jesus' closest disciples? Would he have had more impact on the kingdom? Would he have had a greater part in the kingdom? Would it have existed with him for eternity? But he was blind and deceived and confused and thought his money and his business and his investments were more important and he couldn't break away from it and he couldn't do it. And didn't realize the significance of it probably till his life was at its end or over. Let's not be like that. Let's not be like that. He said, uh, I got to go check on my property. I pray, have me excused. Verse 19, another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. Now this is business for sure. Because, you know, in those days it was usually either uh, farming or, or ranching. Or, so that, those were two of the main things. And if a man was a big businessman and he had a lot of farm, you know, had a lot of land, worked and had a lot. Of, you didn't have tractors, so this is like getting some new equipment. Yeah. This was getting some new equipment. And not just one yoke of oxen, five. I mean, this, this guy's a high roller now. I mean, he's, he's farming a lot of land. He's got a lot of, a lot of equipment. He said, that, you know, I just, I just bought these five yoke of oxen. And I got to go try them out. I got to go to put them, put them in the field, make sure I got what I paid for. And so, Lord, I, I appreciate you asking me to your supper. And I'd like to come. I really would. But, you know, I got a business to run. I, I got... I got mouths to feed. I got quotas to meet. I got crops to, to, to grow. And so I know you'll understand. I got to go test my equipment out. Business preoccupation. Verse 20. And another said, Lord, I appreciate it. I do. But I just got married. <laughs> And therefore, I cannot come. <laughs> and I know you'll understand. <laughs> so the other guys were saying, please have me excuse. He said, I cannot come. <laughs> no need me asking me about this. I know you know, understand. I, I, I can't come. I just got married. I just got married. What is this distraction? What is this preoccupation? Relationships. Is any of this pertinent to us today, friend? Yes. Oh, my. Is it? Yes. 
I don't know at the times that I've had people tell me, well, Brother Keith, I'd want to come with you on the meeting, or I'd want to go do this, or I want to go help you in this area, but you know, uh, I got this with my sister or with my brother, and I got this with my dad or with my mom, or I got this with my husband or wife, or I got this with my kids. Relationships. Relationships. Now, people, people will get fighting mad with you if you suggest they ought to obey God. Anyway. Did you hear me? Because they'll say, well, don't you understand? I got a relationship problem. Then this is a big step toward getting it fixed. Putting God first. You will not help people by backsliding with them. You will not help your relationship by staying out of church to argue with them. But they'll pitch a fit if I go to church. Yeah, and they can get over it. I don't care who they are, they're not your Lord. Your wife is not your Lord. Your husband is not your Lord. <laughs> Amen is right. <laughs> Do you understand that relationships, whether it's going really good or really bad, is not an excuse for laying out, not being involved? Well, Pastor Mike, I'd like to help in the church. I'd like to help with the kids. I'd like to, but you know, I, I need to work on my relationship some and get it, in some, get it in better shape. Well, friend, you are not accessing God's grace for your relationship to improve because you're already violating the first principle. You're putting something or somebody, including yourself, ahead of Him and ahead of His things. And it cannot succeed. I know when Phyllis and I, and I know I'm taking a little bit longer, but I'll quit for I feel like I get through, okay? Is that all right? That's okay. <clears throat> uh, when Phyllis and I made the decision to go to Ramah, it was a decision. You had to leave everything and everybody and go. I was very close to my family. We had property. I had a job. I was very involved in the community. I, in the place where I worked, I was a, a assistant director over a small little small shopping center. I was also uh, involved in the meat market and the, uh, the service station deal. And I was also in the volunteer fire department. And so... I mean, on any given day, I might cut up a chicken, change a flat, sell a refrigerator, and go put out a fire. <laughs> but when the Lord dealt with us to go, we didn't do it lightly. We didn't take it haphazardly. I mean, we prayed about this. We, we sought this. And, and I had people... Uh, 
it was not easy. I had uh, my grandparents offer me land. You know, we, we, we were intended on giving you this, and if y'all want to stay, we'll give you all this. And uh, a pastor very close to me came and sat down with me and said, Keith, we need you here in the church. I mean, a lot of the young men are not interested in serving God. We don't have an abundance of young people coming up. We, we need you. Can't the, can't the Holy Ghost teach you here? Isn't He your teacher anyway? And I mean, He reasoned with me for a whole afternoon. And we had to just set our face like flint and say, we know we've heard from God. And we loaded up our little 69... Chevy pickup in our little Vega and look like the Beverly Hillbillies, man. <laughs> and we launched out into the great unknown. Left everything and everybody. And the enemy will try to mess with your head on those things and say, well, you know, you, you do that and you, you're going to grow apart from your family and your grandparents are older and you're just not going to see these people. You're going to grow apart. And especially if they feel like you shouldn't do it. They feel like you're being fanatical. Can't you just stay here and work and serve God like everybody else? I mean, just be a Christian. People that are totally committed are not understood Amen. by people who are not. Amen. But uh, we did it. We did it. And there were times in my life that while we were out there studying and praying and preparing for the ministry and some things were happening at home that wasn't the best and the devil said, you need to go back and help them and, 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 and be there to support them. It's your family. I've had calls that were alarming calls about family or friends right before I'm supposed to step out on the platform to speak. And, and your flesh would say, man, get in the plane and go. They need you. And I've had the Lord speak to me and say, you take care of my family and I'll take care of yours. And I've come to realize that the best thing you could ever do for your family and friends is obey God. And go all the way with God. And some of the same people that nearly 20 years ago looked me in the eye and said, Man, you ought not do this. I think maybe you're missing it. You need some of those same people. Now, I'm in a position to help. Amen. That I would not have been. Amen. And some of the same people that patted me on the back and said, Man, you did the right thing. You, you did the right thing. That ain't what they said then. Amen. But I'm so glad that the Lord graced me to see clearly enough that when He began to call me, I didn't rise up and say, well, and make excuse. And say, yeah, but Lord, you know, what about this? And how about that? And I, I can't do it right now. I can't do it. I've seen people that God cleared everything out of the way and set them up to go do a thing for Him. And at the last minute, they got cold feet and thought, man, I can't do this. I can't leave everybody and everything. I, I just can't. And they didn't. And tragedy after tragedy followed their life. Because when you get out of the will of God, you're in a dangerous place. Amen. Let's keep reading. He said, I married a wife and therefore I, I can't come. 
So the servant came and he showed his Lord these things, and the master of the house was very understanding. (laughs) He said, well, sure, I mean, the guy just got married, that's all right. He ain't got to come. And Mr. Smith, you know, I know he's busy with with his farming, and he just got all those oxen. Well, sure, that's all right. Mr. Brown, I know he just bought all that land. Well, that's all right. He needs to go check it out. After all, my little old supper ain't that big of a deal. He was very understanding. No, he was what? Angry. He was angry. Now, the reason I say that is because numerous times you have people say, well, I, the Lord will understand. No, a lot of times he doesn't understand. <laughs> he doesn't understand at all. He just gets angry. He was angry. And he said, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in here the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it's done as you've commanded and yet there's room. The Lord said, well, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men that were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now, friend, I don't know if you see how prophetic this is. This applies right now. There are all kind of famous, prominent, high profile people that have been invited. But they were too busy. They were too preoccupied. And the Lord said, just go everywhere. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the lowest of the low and the basest of the based and the poorest of the poor and the most ignorant, tell them all. Invite them. Because the ones he wants there are the ones that want to be there. And the people that are too busy, he said, well, you're not going to have a part of it. And there went a great multitude with him and he turned and he said to them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brother and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower sits not down first and counts the cost? Everybody say, count the cost. Whether he have sufficient to finish it. Lest happily after he's laid the foundation is not able to finish it. All that behold it begin to mock him. Saying this man begin to build was not able to finish. It's not just starting a thing but it's what? Finishing it. Or what king going to make war against another king sits not down first. Consults whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that comes against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is yet a great way off he sends an ambassage. Desires conditions of peace. So likewise... Whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Does that mean you've got to throw everything away? You've got to write everybody off? No. It means he's got to be first. Unquestionably. First. And if anybody ever pipes up and says, well, now, it's me or Jesus, you say, hey, it ain't no choice. <laughs> Don't put me in that place, because you're going to get left out. Well, you either have to cut down on that church stuff and all this ministry stuff, or are you going to miss out with us? Well, I'm sorry. Because I got one master, and it's not me. 
and it's not my boss. And it's not my spouse and it's not my friends. Amen. I got one master. The scripture says, if you read the end of Matthew's account, and I'm closing. If you read the end of Matthew's account of this, the end of it sums up like this. Many are called, but few are chosen. Why is it that few are chosen? Because few respond. Few are willing to drop everything and put him first. Who was at the supper? Who's going to be? in the kingdom things and going to be in the supper. It's the people that weren't too busy. Amen. That's why I said, go in the highways and byways and there are going to be people in, in the kingdom and people in the things of God that some folk are going to be amazed. Amen. How did they get there? They weren't too busy doing something else. God calls the kings and the princes and the rich and the educated. And so many times they say, I'm sorry, we can't come. We got all this. And then he calls the man living on the street in the gutter. And he checks and says, well, hey, my appointment book happens to be totally clear. (laughs) So, yes, I'll come. (laughs) And those are the ones that get used of God. Those are the ones that get to partake of his supper and his kingdom. Wonders. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. Are you willing to open your heart to the Lord? Are you willing to set your eyes only on Him and to focus on Him? And when He taps you on the shoulder, be it at midday on the job or at midnight at home, and He says, won't you do this for me? And you can hear Him if it's a minister talking or a Christian brother or sister talking or the pastor talking or somebody from the church. You can hear, you can see beyond flesh. And you can hear the Lord calling, come, come. And you have enough spirituality and sensitiveness about you, discernment about you, that you go, hey, this is kingdom stuff. Everything else goes on hold. Everything else. Personal things, possessions, business, relationships. Everything goes on hold. It's time to answer the call. Amen. Because when the Lord says we're having supper, we're having supper. Amen. And I'm going to be there with bells on. I don't care if all he wants to do is talk about the bread. I don't care. If it's the Lord's stuff, it's more important than any of my stuff. Can you say amen? Stand up with me on your feet. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Let's lift our hands and thank God and praise Him. Father, we thank you for your graciousness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your dealings. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. What a good God you are. What a gracious God you are. What a faithful good God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Pray this out loud and mean it from your heart. Father God, I am your child. Every good thing I have is because of you. Not because I've worked so hard, but because you're gracious and kind and good. Nothing is more important in life than you, than your things. Give me eyes that see 
what's really important. Give me ears and a heart to discern what's important and what's not. What's spirit and what's just flesh. What's kingdom and what is just of this world. And help me that I never make excuses and turn aside your visitation or your invitation. Help me that I not do it. Alert me. Help me to see what's going on. All that I have is yours. All that I am is yours. I have one master. You are my master. Nothing is above you. No one. No thing. Not myself. You are above all. Help me to live this way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank Him for doing it. Thank Him for teaching you, showing you, guiding you, helping you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.